eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. All right, if you are catching us on a Thursday, uh, we are just, what, uh, mere hours away, really, from the start of the NFL season. Uh, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Detroit Lions. I, Matt, I, I mean, just from a fantasy perspective, though, I, I mean... The first round of most redrafts have been just topsy-turvy a little bit, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks. Jonathan Taylor uh, placed on the pup, and who knows if he's ever going to play for the Colts again. Cooper Cup has to go see a specialist for his hamstring. And remember, this guy's coming off of uh, what they call tightrope. I believe tightrope surgery on his ankle. Major ankle surgery is is probably the best way to put it. Uh, and then now Travis Kelsey, hyperextended knee. Again, this guy's no spring chicken. He's going into his age 34 season. Um, and, and now he's going to be, I, I would, I don't know if he's going to play here again. We're, we're recording on a Wednesday. I don't know if he's going to play on Thursday, uh, but from all of the, you know, medical experts that I've seen online, uh, a lot of folks would be very surprised, uh, to see him in week one. Uh, there's a couple of folks who think that he might be out multiple weeks here. Uh, which again, when you're starting to look at the first round of your fantasy redraft leagues, man, it's just, I, I mean, it, is, it has just been an absolute circus, uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, ironically, right. We're talking about, I mean, Jonathan Taylor was typically more of a, and this was a bad bet at the time, even in my opinion, like a, se- a second round pick. I-, I think that was too aggressive even before the PUP. But like these first two round guys, Kelsey and Cooper Cup, of course, you know, t- common knowledge in fantasy. I running back riskiest position injury wise. And of course, like two <laughs> non running backs. Exactly. Perfect. It's a long season, right? There are things that are going to yeah. a lot of things are going to happen here. But like wide receiver sure. and tight end here, um, the two major injuries to start this thing off. And yeah, the Kelsey stuff, it's like. Seems like the only person who gives him a chance to play is his brother, Jason Kelsey, who uh, did, <laughs> which, hey, pretty good source, I guess, uh, yeah, if he ends up being no correct. But no um, overall, yeah, it seems like he might miss the first couple weeks. Now, I think he is a much less scary proposition than Cooper Cup, uh, just because Cooper Cup is like, you know, typically we don't have 
hamstring injury leads to flight to Minnesota to see a specialist when the team plays in Los Angeles. So that one's got me a little spooked. You know, I do think it's really important just to think about the receivers in Los Angeles. You know, we've talked a lot of weirdly a lot about Van Jefferson on this show, probably more than um, (laughs) any, any other podcast in the space. We've talked about Van Jefferson. You know, I was a big Puka Nakua fan uh, leading into the NFL draft is like a day three sleeper. Like, those are going to be guys to know uh, with Cooper Cup potentially out for God knows how long. And with, yeah, Travis Kelsey, you know, I, I really, I'm really hoping for a good start to uh, to the season for our guy Sky Moore on Thursday night here. I mean, um, my God, if he has another, if he has like a five catch 48 yard game, I'm, ar- I'm already off to a bad start here in the season, uh, in, in the 2023 season. So we'll see. Well, well, hold on, hold on. What, what are the expectations here for Sky Moore? Five catch 50 yards. Come on, man. That's not that's not horrible. And now if yeah, he goes out there, on, if he man. goes out there for a three catch twenty five yard performance, okay. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I mean five five catches for fifty. I, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, you can't expect that much from Sky Moore, can you? Well, you're rounding up. I, I said forty eight yards. Don't round okay. up. If it's a, <laughs> okay. if it's a you know sub ten yards per catch <laughs> on five catches, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, having yeah. fun. Okay. Um, look, right. I I don't think I need you know if you need a big game out of Sky Moore in Week One, like you probably yeah, drafted you're in a trouble. shitty fantasy team, right. okay? So, Correct. <laughs> or or you're playing in really deep leagues, whatever. Um, you hopefully right. you've got something better going on there, but um, right. I just think it's a really good spot for him to to show you know. I read this on Twitter the other day, this quote from Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, basically talking about, I mean, honestly, I read it and I was like, you know, that sounds a lot like what I said on this podcast about Sky Moore's rookie season where he said, you know, I just think he got more comfortable within the offense. It's a hard offense to learn. We threw a lot at him. We had him play a lot of different spots last year, and I thought he got more and more comfortable as the season went on. I was like, that was literally what I said about Sky Moore a few months ago on this very podcast. Um, So I think it just, Everything seems like just a kind of a quiet upward trajectory for Sky Moore right sure. now. So I'm like, damn, it would be really nice if it was just punctuated by a really strong statement game on Thursday night. So <laughs> no, I don't look, it's not uh we're not riding and dying with Sky Moore in week okay, one, okay? Good. I'm just okay. saying I'm just I'm just saying it would be nice if like there was a little validation yeah. about I th- what I think is a really good role for him heading into this year right now. I mean, listen, you and I have been on Sky more early and often, you know, so um, and and it's interesting to me, too. You know, I've done a lot of drafts, Matt, and, and a, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of folks out there. There's a groundswell, I think, uh, for people to want Kadarius Tony, uh, for people want to want Justin Ross uh, to, to Rasheed Rice. Those guys, they, they there's a groundswell for those guys to be a thing, you know, and, and again, you talk about quietly building up a little bit um, of value as Sky more. I, I that's really what we're ultimately seeing, I think, in drafts is, you know, again, I've done multiple auction drafts. Sky Moore goes for more than all of those guys. You know, he, Sky Moore gets drafted higher than all of those guys, despite the fact that there seemingly is very few press clippings about Sky Moore. Um, I think very quietly, I think people are coming coming around and realizing. And again, I think you can certainly point to us as being, you know, some of those, you know, leading flag bearers in the Sky Moore campaign, Uh, but quietly, but, but, you know, certainly Sky Moore uh, is building a lot of uh, a draft capital in those draft rooms across the country, man. So uh, at least that's what I'm seeing, you know, again, I I don't know what the the average ADP is, 
uh, for some of these guys. But uh, but I tell you, every single draft I've been in, Sky Moore seems to go ahead of Kadarius Tony uh, and all those other guys, uh, and, and is being bid up a lot more than some of those other guys in auction leagues as well. Yeah, we'll see. You're right, you're right though, that it seems like um, on social media, at least, it's like everybody wants to make these other guys a thing, but it just there's a second year player who had a really good college profile who came from a low level, like we said, very excusable, right. non heavily used rookie season that's been getting all the first team work in the offseason. Yeah. It's like the easy, like, oh man, is it Justin Ross? Is it Rasheed Rice? Is it Canary right. like, oh, the easy answer might have just been Sky Moore all along. So, again, that's why I'm like saying, <laughs> no, if we don't get damn Travis Kelsey on, on the Thursday night opener, and still we get like a little a nice but not big game from sky Moore. i'll be a little disappointed even if that's i wrong. got you yeah i got you uh by the way uh sky Moore, i think is is a great target um if you're going for one of these uh thursday night you know football dfs contests or whatever it might be detroit uh by the way has uh, last year gave up the most fantasy points per game the highest epa uh per game to slot receivers last year so highly susceptible I, I don't think they did a lot to address uh that slot corner spot so i i think sky Moore could be in for a pretty nice day and again we we I, you know obviously we know he's going to mix around in that formation um you know slot and outside but from what we saw last year i, I thought he was a pretty good slot player too so maybe they use him there no Travis. well uh, we don't know if there's no Travis Kelsey, but we don't think there's going to be Travis Kelsey. So should open up some targets in that short to intermediate area of the field as well. All right, but let's get into the meat of the show here. Um, I, you know, Matt, you you wanted to talk about some wide receiver rooms that uh, you're keeping an eye on. You're, you're looking for some clarity here in week number one. Let's start with the Chargers. What are you looking for there? Yeah, so by the time people listen to this, uh, Mike Williams' profile should be on the website. So uh, talk yeah. a little bit about that here where, you know, Big Mike is interesting, man, because there's been a lot of talk this offseason uh, about maybe these Chargers receivers moving around the formation. Um, I like, don't really buy that, though. Like, I think when you look at them, <laughs> okay, <laughs> when you look at them right now, it's like they have a prototypical X receiver in yeah. Mike Williams, right? Mike Williams last year uh, in reception in the game sampled for reception perception, you know, he took outside on 84.4% of his sample snaps was on the line for 78.1%. Just again, that classic ISO X receiver. I think you could yep. argue that outside of the like elite and superstar tier of receivers, he might be one of the he might be kind of like the peak of that classic throwback X receiver archetype right now. You know, when we go, you know, when we go down a couple of tiers from, you know, the obvious guys who are or some of the best in the league playing that position right, right. now. Um, you know, he's a guy that's not an ideal, he's not like well, he's not a high level separator. He's kind of like he's been somewhere between 61 and 69.4% success rate versus man. He's been kind of right just south of 80% success rate versus zone. But the last two years. 67.1% success rate versus press, 67.8% success rate versus press in each of the last two seasons. Not surprisingly, these have been, his, I think, his best two seasons as a pro the last hmm. couple of years because th those aren't special scores, again, by far, but he's probably the best candidate to remain in that X receiver role because, you know, we have, obviously, we've, we've got Keenan Allen, who I think at this point needs to be an off-the-line slot player almost exclusively and then Josh Palmer is likely to open the three receiver set uh it, as a starter ahead of Quinton Johnson that's been kind of the 
the expectation from beat writers. That's been um, the way the preseason usages look. You know, Josh Palmer hasn't played at all, whereas Quinton right. Johnson has played like more than almost anybody in the preseason because they they know he needs those reps, right? We talked about yeah. him as a guy that right. needs those reps. So For I don't sure. think Josh Palmer's like a future superstar or anything. Uh, I've talked, talked about that, but I think he probably is a professional enough to hold <laughs> off Quinton Johnson for the time okay. being. So I'm just really curious how these guys from a usage standpoint split up, you know, between Mike Williams, who is prototypical X. I think, you know, again, there's talk about him moving around the formation, but you know, you can get him layup targets without taking him off the X receiver spot. And I think that's probably the way things go, but you know, I, to me, I just think that this receiver core is one of the more interesting ones to follow because I see the potential here, but I also see like, ah, man, there's just a lot of volatility here as well. Um, Jalen Guyton is going to start the the year on the pup for the Chargers. Um, and, and I know it sounds crazy, but they really did miss his speed last year. Everything was so compressed. They needed somebody, anybody to stretch the field, which is why they ended up landing on Quentin Johnson, which I thought was a pretty good move. Um, so Jalen Guyton on the pup. Uh, and so, you know, again, he's not going to really figure into that mix. Quentin Johnson, uh, you know, as you mentioned, probably will Josh Palmer's going to get into the mix as well. I think that's a great take, man. I, I, I think that's really smart. Um, you know, just in terms of evaluation of what they got at the talent level in, in regards to the chargers, you know, you see Keenan Allen working on that inside Mike Williams and Quentin Johnson on the outside. I guess I'm with you. I'm confused. Like where would Mike Williams go? Um, in terms of quote unquote moving around the formation, he's not really that dude. I don't really see that skill set. Like, what is he going to take a jet sweep or a pop pass? That doesn't seem like Mike Williams at all. No, he's like a downfield. His best routes, you know, where he's actually, you know, people, again, people think of him as like a non separation receiver because so many uh, of his big catches come in these like tight coverage moments because he's probably yeah. one of the best tight coverage ball winners in the NFL right now. Um, but he is. A pretty decent sep again, probably a league average separator, and his best routes are the nine, the post, the corner. Um, he can definitely do some work on slants, but again, you want him working against tight man coverage on the outside, like winning slant, like slants and shielding defenders with his body right. in that way. You don't want him like you don't need to get him a free release and you know all that type of stuff uh that's just again it's really not his game he's not a yards after catch player either he's a pure vertical x receiver so to me i think he they have that solution there at that spot and yeah obviously quinton johnson is just how fast is this guy going to be up to speed because i do think he speaking of speed like they need that dimension in the offense you know people kind of view him as like a, a another view him as a yards after catch guy i don't think he really again he was great at that in college but and it'll certainly have his yak moments, but I think they want him developing into a vertical receiver. They want him developing into, um, you know, not too dissimilar to like Brandon Ayuk, right? When he comes into the NFL, he was a, a big yak monster in college, mm -hmm. but the 49ers wanted him more so developing again into a guy that beats man coverage and wins as a vertical threat. And that is who Brandon Ayuk has been now to this right. point in the NFL. So I actually think like, that could be a – and Ayuk ended up playing a lot more than they wanted him as a rookie, right? Famously, then they didn't play him to start his second season because <laughs> they actually think like right. he had a – despite the fact that he uh, you know got open and stuff like that, they didn't love the way he played as a rookie. Um, you know, I'm sure from a timing and details, a technicality standpoint. And so I wonder if Quinton Johnston – will he end up getting forced into action because these guys 
ahead of him are injury questions, or is he going to earn that spot early on? Because yeah, Palmer, he's a pro. He he he's been with Justin Herbert for a few years now, but he's not like really a needle moving talent. I think he's probably like a, a useful rotational player. Is Josh yep. Palmer? Mm-hmm. So they he should Quinton Johnson if he catches on quickly should like by the end of his rookie season be be uh you know a full-time player but just don't be surprised if on Sunday against Miami Dolphins you know Quinton Johnson's playing like 12 snaps and is only used as a situational player yeah I again I I bring up the Jalen Guyton thing because they desperately need that speed over the top you talk about situational football I wonder if Quentin Johnson might just be used more in like this clear out route type of stuff where where they're clearing out some of the safeties maybe the deep linebackers are are, are, are dropping back a little further into coverage opening up the underneath for Keenan Allen um, to kind of just do his work. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Keenan Allen from the slot, you know, ends up catching 10, 11 balls against Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. probably, um, you know, a, 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 I don't want to say a decent bet, but I tell you what, man, like Keenan Allen could absolutely feast um, if Quentin Johnson and Mike Williams are, are just kind of roaming these two giant like twin towers roaming the outside. You know, and and Vic Fangio worried about those boys on the outside trying to haul in big plays, taking that away. Uh, I do wonder if Keenan Allen ends up eating um, quite a bit there in week number one against Miami. All right, uh, let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, Matt. Uh, obviously, we've talked about the Ravens uh, extensively, but they've got an exciting young player, Zay Flowers. They've got a, a grizzled old veteran now uh, in Odell Beckham. And, and, and really for us and for really everybody, the unknown, I think, um, is Rashad Bateman. What's his health look like? You know, he's been injured a bunch now. You know, does he come back? Is he still the same guy uh, that we saw before? And can he put it all together? Can all these guys all at once put it all together? Uh, what What are you looking for there in that wide receiver room in Baltimore? Yeah, I'm. man, I just want to see sort of how these roles fit in with the Ravens receivers because the one thing I think we can say for sure is we know this is a new era of the Ravens offense, right? You know, Greg right. Roman out, Todd Monken in, and we've already seen the effects of that in the preseason. You know, Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Stats pointed out that the Ravens used 11 personnel on 74.2% of their passing plays in the preseason. They used 11 personnel on a league low 18.4% of their passing plays in 2022. The next closest team was 40.7%. So that's bizarre i mean bonkers right the, the funny thing about this right. james too is that like lamar was actually effective um throwing out of 11 personnel last year he had an 80.4 percent adjusted completion rate out of 11 personnel despite a 10.9 percent deep throw rate so a mm. guy that was pu- he was pushing the ball a little bit and, you know we know in Derek classen's profile that he was very good against you know throwing into tight windows it was very good uh throwing against man coverage right so I, and now he's got these receivers. Like, I read off those 11 personnel throw stats from last year. Who was in his 11 personnel packages for most of the year last year? You know, oh, Bateman God. was there healthy for two and a half, three games. Uh, yeah. He he. Then we're talking about Demarcus Robinson and Devin Duvernay and these guys. So um, I, I just want to see, like, okay, where do the roles fit in? If there's two receivers on the field, which uh, would might account for like 25% of the plays, not even a significant amount. But is Zay Flowers a slot-only guy for uh, the Rams? Is, uh, is, is Odell Beckham the X on the field all the time? I would say probably. Like last we saw Beckham play with the Los Angeles Rams, he was the X receiver of that offense running like 
backside digs, beating press man coverage. We know he's a huge factor in the Super Bowl before getting hurt. And then Bateman, who I think can play all three receiver positions, does that make mm. him the primary flanker? Or is he coming on the field because he didn't have as much practice time with the team coming back from an injury? Is he on the field, you know, as a, a 11 personnel player, but Zay Flowers is the flanker in two receiver sets? There's just so much talent here right now uh, and, and so many outstanding questions because it's a new system and we haven't seen Flowers and, and Beckham take live reps with this team before and, and and you know Bateman I think was on such a star I I really think he was on a big time trajectory and could be like a big breakout player this year if he can stay healthy so there's just so much intrigue with this team as they transition into an 11 personnel offense which we've seen Lamar be effective with in spurts but you know not consistently over the course of a year Okay, so let me pick your brain here a little bit. Um, Odell Beckham, as you mentioned, last time we saw him play in 2021, played about 85% of his snaps uh, on the outside. Now, again, that could be X, that could be flanker, but he played on the outside. Uh, Rashad Bateman last year and in the years previous, we're talking north of 85% lined up outside. So neither one of these guys really line up too much inside. Um, But when I just start thinking about routes and skill sets and all of those things, it seems to me... Uh, and it seems opposite of what you're saying, which is it seems to me like Odell should be able to transition inside, maybe especially at this point in his career after all of these injuries at his age, yada, yada, yada. Um, it seems like Odell should be able to transition to be an inside player. That's just my take on, on the whole situation. But let me pick your brain. And and again, for me, Zay Flowers, the big unknown here, right? Like mm-hmm. I just I have no idea what the coaching staff has in store for Zay Flowers, but just based off of his college tape, Matt, where do you think his best fit might be in the NFL? And am I, and again, maybe just, you know, disabuse me of this, of this notion that, that Odell's going to slide inside and Rashad Bateman is going to be that X because, you know, even going back to college, by the way, Minnesota, like Bateman was that dude on the outside, right? So like, I I would imagine he's got very little, you know, reps as an inside player. Yeah. In sort of a weird final season at Minnesota in 2020, you know, I, I charted his 2019 season from his prospect profile, but in 2020, he did kind of play as a bigger slot receiver, but he only played in a few games and like he had COVID and then the season was canceled and you know, all the right. nonsense that was the 2020 season from a call. Like even the 2020 season was weird in the NFL. It was even weirder at the college football <laughs> level. Right, right. There right. are some program, you know, some players are like still feeling the effects of it, right? But um, so I, the only reason I say this about Odell is that last time, again, we saw him play with the Rams and the Browns in 2021. He was an X receiver for them on the line of scrimmage for 79.9% of his sample snaps and was on the line of scrimmage in 2020, even 80%. But like earlier in his career with the Giants, he was more of a flanker then, you know, was more off the line and stuff like that. So that I honestly, yeah, if he transitions into a slot receiver, I think that could totally happen. I think he, this is the, what's intriguing about these dudes, man, is that they can all play three, all three positions, right? Because I think Beckham can, has experiences in X, more recently, mm-hmm. but he also has experience as a flanker. And I agree with you that from a route running standpoint, he has always been one of the most underrated route runners and technicians in the NFL because he's just – we know he makes like highlight real plays and stuff like that at his peak, but he's always been – like the reason he was so good from day one in the NFL was because he was such a good technician. So like that's – I could see him transitioning to the slot because of that. Again, Bateman, I think we've seen him play X. I also think he could certainly play flanker in the NFL – and then with Zay Flowers, like you ask where he fits best, 
this is another dude that I think we saw play all three receiver positions uh, as a collegiate player, right? Like, again, in this in his reception perception profile, Flowers took 29.2% of his sample snaps from the slot, 39 at right wide receiver, 26.2% on, uh, on the left side, 58% behind the line, 41.8% on the line. So you see him mm. take reps at X, slot, and flanker, and he beats press coverage, right? 72.7% success rate versus press. It's a 79th percentile mark. So, like, I, I think Flowers, like, if I had to guess, they probably want him because he's so quick and, like, get the ball in his hands, explosive stuff. Um, you know, that's where I think he makes the most sense as a speed slot guy and then yeah. the other two players outside. But I could be wrong about that, and, and we could see uh, him take snaps outside as well. Okay, so Baltimore taking on Houston in week number one. Uh, we'll get to see a revamped Houston defense there. Uh, obviously, with D'Amico Ryan at the helm, you would imagine they're going to be a little bit of a better uh a little bit better focus on the defensive side. They drafted Will Anderson to be a, a defensive playmaker. I still think, look, they brought they brought in Jimmy Ward, who I thought was was great. We talked about this before. Uh, Steven Nelson there, opposite of Derek Stingley. Um, this is a team that got absolutely hammered on the uh, by outside wide receivers last year. Um, maybe not from a you know. St- like total stats perspective, but in terms of like EPA allowed, they were the third worst team um, in the NFL when, when targeting outside wide receivers. So they got burned by outside guys quite a bit. Um, It's interesting, actually inside, actually they were really good against slot receivers. uh, Houston was actually the best team in regards to EPA allowed uh, to inside wide receivers. Also the second fewest fantasy points allowed to inside wide receivers. So it's an interesting matchup, Matt. It really is um, against Houston. I, I think a lot of folks think that Baltimore j- might just roll this team. I think you and I are probably simpatico and thinking that this could probably be a, a much closer game. Uh, the defensive side, I think, is going to be improved. And then offensively, both you and I, I know, are simpatico on this. Houston definitely improved uh, from last year. So it, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think it's going to be a, a, a much closer game than a lot, a lot of folks are anticipating. The one thing that does, I mean, obviously this is still a defense that was, is, is a little bit banged up, right? Uh, Marlon Humphrey dealing with an injury uh, there, but Mike McDonald and the boys were kind of cooking to the end of last year. Like that, they could really put CJ Stroud in a blender just to start his NFL career, Um, especially because Houston's offensive line was supposed to be uh, a strength of its, its unit overall, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been dealing with a ton of injuries over there. So, you know, Stroud could, um, could, could be in for a tough, start to his NFL career even though I do think over the long term this is going to be a good offense and has good player like better players than people think but yeah I I think the one part of this is is that it's interesting is we are sitting here talking about the receivers and talking about the passing game Um, and I agree you know we talked about that the Derek Stingley and 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 all these guys on that defensive uh, side of the ball with D'Amico Ryans could make this a better pass defense unit but we right. did raise questions about the linebackers. Last year, Houston was 27th in rushing success rate allowed. And <laughs> we could what if what if J.K. Dobbins just comes in here and runs all over this team and Lamar <laughs> runs all over this team? Because that's another another benefit of, for sure, of, for of sure. having three receivers on the field for Lamar Jackson and, and mm-hmm. spreading this thing out. Like I, I think that Greg Roman, you know, he kind of gets too much crap from like the smart football bros like like me and, and others is 
because of the limitations of that scheme than in the long term. But there's no doubt that early on in Lamar's career, I think it was a beneficial offense for him to grow oh up in. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. But what was so frustrating is like, okay, Greg, I get it. Like you got all these, like, yeah, we need to run. Our quarterback is a run focus. Like he's a running threat. Let's get all these heavy guys on the field. But like, I think from a scrambling perspective, Lamar will actually be better suited when we've got, we spread the field and get like a guy Mm -hmm. out of the box because we have a threatening passing game. So like the fact that we might have three receivers on the field more could make Lamar even more dangerous from a scrambling perspective. So there is a chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued with these receivers and I, I think the roles will be interesting to watch regardless. But, you know, right. if, if Baltimore is going to roll in this game, they could like just run all over the Texans uh, defense, which I think we still have some <laughs> questions about. For sure. Uh, like I said, the front seven, not so good uh, for the Houston Texans. I think their back end is a lot better, though. Um, here in 2023, uh, to, to Matt's point here, the Houston, Texas defense last year, um, they did give up, what is it here? Uh, well, they gave up the most fantasy points per game. That's, that's no surprise here, but, uh, in terms of, um, rushing yards per game, they gave up the most rushing yards per game. Uh, you know, you talk about yards per carry, they gave up 5.22 yards per carry to opposing running backs last year. That was the third worst mark in the NFL. So yeah, Baltimore, um, could absolutely get a little loose uh, in terms of the running game. So we shall see. All right. Uh, another team that we're keeping an eye on in terms of the wide receiver rooms, Matt, you're, you're taking, keeping a close eye on Tennessee. Tell me why I, I would imagine you might be the only person <laughs> that's keeping an eye on that wide receiver room, because as far as I see it, man, right now it's nuke and nobody else. <laughs> well, I think Traylon Burks's injury has been a little bit, um, less scary right than people thought at first like it sounds uh-huh. like he's got a chance to play and you know play play a full-time role in the first couple of weeks of the season yeah definitely the only losers like let me keep a close eye on that Tennessee <laughs> you know it's it's funny just because of the way these two teams set up right uh Tennessee and, and New Orleans you used to think like oh yeah going into the Superdome man be points, 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 points. But the Saints played so slow and were so conservative and so run yeah. heavy last year. And we know the yep. Titans play slow and are so conservative and are so run heavy. That damn game could be over in like two and a half hours, right? <laughs> um, right. But at the, you know, at the same time, it's actually two run defenses that have been pretty good, especially on Tennessee's side. There was such a good run defense last year. But um, specifically on these Titans receivers, right? Going into what should be a decent environment in in New Orleans in the Superdome, um, you know, I want to see where do these guys line up. Again, another another one I want to keep my eye on because New Hopkins has been the premier X receiver in the NFL uh, recently. You know, the the premier uh, X receiver of that archetype, like a number one guy. You know, dominating targets even at that X receiver position for the uh, Arizona Cardinals last year. You know, and then uh, you look at Traylon Burks, though, they had him develop on the job as an X receiver last year. So I actually think Burks could be way more interesting as a movable type guy, right? If they get him Hmm. off the line. But then at the same time, yo, there are also really it's really appealing to think like, well, maybe New Hopkins as a as a kind of not not a full time slot because they're going to do a lot of two tight end stuff. But, you know, as an off the ball guy and, and he actually played pretty decently as a slot player for the Cardinals last year when they got him in those moments. So I don't know. I, I, I think I'm going to know 
how I feel about these two receivers a lot more after like where I see them line up in week one, because I still have my questions about Burks as a true number one type full field X receiver beating press right. man coverage routinely. Uh, but I, and I think I'd like him a little more if they get him off the line and, and sort of getting him, getting him like uh, those layup targets off the line and as a flanker and maybe in the slot, but then shoot, I think Hopkins could age really gracefully in that role too. So it's a yeah. little bit of a pick your poison there, I guess, for the Tennessee Titans. Well, they don't, I mean, if it's not nuke on the outside as an X receiver, they don't, they just don't have anybody. I mean, it's Nick Westbrook, Akine, uh, who I, they just don't have anyone. Man. It's tough. Uh, it is tough. And, and as you've highlighted in your charting work with Traylon Burks, he was 23rd percentile versus man coverage last year, 24th percentile versus zone coverage. And then again, 24th percentile versus press. Um, those are not good scores, Matt. Uh, and again, yeah. when I, I think when you're taking a look at, at wide receivers and you're saying, okay, well, certainly, you know, where they line up will help improve a lot of these scores. Um, but if you are, again, below the 25th percentile versus man and zone, I, I don't know, man. I, I just find a, 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 it really difficult to find a spot. Where do you line up and be successful? If you want to be an inside man, you got to be good against zone. If you want to be an outside guy, you got to be good against man or press. You know, um, and I, I'm just try, I'm struggling to find find an area for Traylon Burks um, to kind of step in here in year number two and be successful. And I and I want to and again I want to emphasize year number two. Okay, he mm-hmm. may take a step here in year two, improve some of those scores. But maybe we don't see the fruits of those labors, uh, uh, the fruits of that labor until year three or four. Has to, has to improve, right? Um, and, and again, he he might because we've talked about this so often that he was basically learning a whole new position from what he played in college. Like he was never ever lined up as an X receiver in college. He was an off the ball like almost gadgety type create a touch sort of player yep. who was a decent zone beater never really showed much against press man coverage so i i don't love this idea that the titans have anyways with making him their x receiver which is why i say like well maybe they just scrap it and go back to you know having him play something else but yeah he could develop he could get better he has to though you know i i posted yesterday that i'm sitting down and doing like real life receiver rankings Mm-hmm. Um, and the class last year, the draft class was just stupid, right? Like it was so good. <laughs> I have six of right. those guys in my top 35 receivers overall in the NFL. Wow. Six of those players. Traylon Burks is not one of them though, you know? So okay. that, that's where I would say of all the guys, you know, and I have my questions like about, um, Christian Watson, you know, George Pickens, sure. even like, okay, there's, he's got to have some areas where he gets better. Um, you know, I'm really high on Jahan Dotson. I would yeah. say the one guy I'm like, you know, but still Pickens, I think, has a clear role. Even Christian Watson, I think he has a clear role where he's really good at. Burks is the only one where I'm like, okay, he actually has to get better in in, in all areas. Uh, or or at least one area. Figure out a way. One you know, area I, would be nice. You know, I think um, – and again, you can't help but make these comps to Debo Samuel. And obviously, I get it. Debo Samuel, a very unique player. Um, also, by the way, Debo Samuel playing for Kyle Shanahan, who is a unique coach, right? Um, so, but you can't help but make those comparisons. But I, I think what we've seen from from the charting, uh, at least for in regards to Debo, is the fact that he's great against zone coverage. Yeah. Right. So again, maybe not a great man, you know, man press beater, but against zone coverage, he's great. All right. And that's what you would like to see 
from Traylon Burks. Can he get this, you know, can he get his score up um, from again, the what 24th percentile where he's got a 75% success rate versus zone. That number needs to get for anyone listening. That number needs to get above 80%. If you're looking at, uh, if you're looking at zone coverage, if you want to even just say, all right, this guy's pretty good against zone coverage. I, that that number's got to go from seventy five percent to like eighty two percent. If you if you if if we're you know just talking about what is you know good in the NFL, so he's got a ways to go. It's not impossible, certainly. Uh, I think he's got an athletic profile that's interesting, uh, but man, he does have a ways to go, as Matt has pointed out uh, in his in his charting of uh, of Traylon Burks. This is a little uh, more so just anecdotal watching him, but you know, because pe- people compared him to Debo coming into the NFL because of the kind of the role he played. You know, yeah, he just d- he does not have that juice. Uh, he is like like in the open field, especially. Right. I, like I think again, people confuse that because of the role that he had in college. You know, mm-hmm. sort of that that create a touch player and stuff like that. But last year, Traylon Burks forced. Two missed tackles all of last year. Oh. Two. His entire Oy. rookie season. Like, he's just not that guy from an open field perspective, which because he doesn't have that juice. So, like, he's got to get better from a route running perspective and a separation perspective. Like, that's, that's just p- period kind of end of story. And I think he's probably going to have to do it as a vertical X receiver because where he is, I think, actually pretty promising is – like playing in tight coverage and and being like a bully ball player at the catch point. So, right. you know, he might have to develop it to like a Mike Williams type, but he just is not there right now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, there you go. Uh, all right, so those are three wide receiver units that uh, Matt is keeping a very close eye on. But we'd be remiss in not getting you ready here for week number one. I know a lot of folks geared up, man. They're amped. I know I am uh, about week one from a fantasy perspective. Let's talk about some favorite matchup plays here, Matt. Uh, you want to kick us off, man? Give me a matchup play that you either, you know, again, you either love for a player or hate for a player. Just give me a matchup play that you're keeping an eye on. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I am really interested to see... 
<laughs> I'm really interested to see like this sounds disgusting. The 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 Patriots and uh like, the, the pa- <laughs> Okay. The- <laughs> we're, we're off to a strong start. <laughs> please, uh, please tell me what you are looking for in this uh Patriots basket attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh at oh, it uh, i okay. shouldn't laugh at it but uh you know just because there's all this talk right now that juju is like a um his knee's gonna explode yeah explode right? it's gonna blow up you're like golly I mean, can I we use some, more dramatic language please jesus i can't i can't remember who it was but i saw somebody say like that's the only explosive thing about the patriots <laughs> offense <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember who said it, but um, oh, my oh my god, god what the hell was I talking about? Uh, I when when you look at this that receiver core just against a secondary in um, Philadelphia that was awesome last year, you know yep. that, that's interesting. But really, what I'm more interested in this matchup is just like I'm actually more interested in Ramondre Stevenson's role. Um, you okay. know, this guy played a ton uh, and was super productive when the team was trailing last year. I mean, no kidding. They were trailing almost all the time last year because they yeah, stunk. Yeah, yeah. I expect them to still be trailing a ton here against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I wonder if just the whole idea that, okay, Zeke Elliott's going to come in here and really threaten Ramondre Stevenson's workload. Uh, but I, I, I kind of wonder if that's not going to really be the case in week one because you know Zeke just recently got to the team. Uh, Stevenson's mm-hmm. been there a while. I, I actually, you know, I could see... Stevenson having a big role in week one and actually being one of even if the Patriots offense gets off to a slowish start you know the Eagles were still not that great of a run defense at different times last year right remember they oh yeah signed Indomitian Sue they signed Linval yeah. Joseph you know they're hoping Jordan Davis steps up and becomes that guy for them this year now that those veterans have moved on um, but if that's not the case I think Stevenson could end up having a big game and like quietly being a top five back on the week uh, yeah, that's not bad. Uh, you know, if you're talking about a pass defense, and obviously their pass defense, one of the best uh, in the NFL last year, but but uh, they were they were a little bit of a what we call a funnel defense towards the inside, right? So slot receivers and receivers lined up inside were able to get a little bit of work in. Um, they generally don't move those two outside corners inside. Now they did do it a little bit. Um, I think later in the season, but I, I do think if we are talking about Juju and his knee exploding, well, it's not going to explode here in week one. Uh, and actually, I think he's got let's a hope. pretty good matchup. <laughs> yeah, let's hope, man. Let's hope. Uh, got a pretty good matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles uh, secondary. He was a player, actually, that I did highlight, um, you know, when I'm taking a look at matchups here. But just uh, but yeah, Juju in the slot. You know, watch out. I would also say watch out for this kid, Demario Douglas. I, I, I've got him again, mm. kind of uh, penciled in here uh, as a as a guy that I'm watching for. Demario Douglas, 5'8", 180 out of Liberty. I don't think too many people have seen Demario Douglas, but uh, there's been uh, some pretty good press clippings in, in regards to Demario Douglas um, in, in recent days. Uh, he ran a 4440 and had a 40-inch vertical. I think 39 and a half, but we'll round up to 40. So he's an explosive short area player. He's got some long speed, but again, he's a pretty small guy, 5'8", 180. Um, I do wonder, this is a team, Matt, they're, they're desperate for team speed, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, des- they're absolutely desperate for team speed. Uh, Demario Douglas is a player that I'm actually just going to keep an eye on. Again, I'm not playing him. I'm not even stashing him on my bench. I'm just keeping an eye on him. Uh, what what role does he have 
uh, as a rookie, especially early on against Philadelphia. But Philadelphia, again, has given up some production to the inside. Juju Smith-Schuster could be a sneaky little play. Uh, again, if you're looking for DFS advice or DFS lineups, and again, if, if you got him in redraft too, I think he's a fine flex play is Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, can I stay on this whole slot defense train, Matt, and uh, and talk about a guy that that you and I both love? By the way, I, I think Denver's offense this week against Las Vegas is a pretty sneaky good offense. You know, Las Vegas is in turmoil right now. You know, their their defense, first of all, last year stunk up the joint. And right now they've got some they've got some internal turmoil as well with Las yeah. Vegas on the defensive side. Yeah, Chandler Jones wants to have a powwow with Antonio Brown and uh, Alden Smith, apparently, because of the oh, way things are going. And yeah, <laughs> not a good sign. Oh boy. Uh, so yeah, no Chandler Jones, obviously, uh, unhappy with, um, with how things are going in Las Vegas. Um, it brings me to Marvin Mims, who again, I think will play some inside receiver and obviously some outside receiver too. Uh, but again, if he does line up inside, this guy could absolutely feast. Las Vegas was one of the worst teams against the slot, uh, last year. They gave up the uh, 10.3 yards per attempt. That was second worst in the NFL. The um, they they had the second worst EPA allowed to slot receivers, and of course the second most fantasy points per game allowed to receivers lined up inside as well. If Marvin Mims does anything, I think he could uh, do it lined up inside and then kind of beat them over the top. I, I'm very interested uh, in Marvin Mims this week. Totally like that. I mean, you got to be pretty desperate to be like a Marvin Mims, you know, if you're starting him in a redraft league or something like that. But I do think he can get off to a nice start here. I think he's going to open the, this, the, the season in two receiver sets with Jerry Judy banged up. And we like Marvin Mims. I mean, and it just takes one or two plays for him because he's that vertical right. guy. So uh, I like that. And yeah, I mean, the Raiders defense, dude, oh, questions abound, questions abound about that unit. I would also keep an eye on that running back room. We keep an eye at these all these wide receiver rooms. This this running back room in Denver, I think, is is really interesting. You you know me, Matt. I, I've been a, a Samaje Pirine guy for a long time, uh, so it was great to kind of see him kind of finally break out uh, in this late in his career. But uh, had a good season, I think, with Cincinnati last year. Then signed with Denver, and the reason I I point that out, Matt, is because Sean Payton. Sign the guy. Javante Williams is obviously coming off of an ACL. I just wonder if if P. Ryan gets some work early um, as they kind of let the young guy in um, in Javante kind of, again, get ramped up to speed and a little bit healthier going up against a Raiders defense that, man, they're just man, they, they just could not stop the run last year. Um, and I wonder if P. Ryan actually gets it going, um, especially for a head coach, Matt, and Sean Payton that I tell you what, he's known to be this passing guru guy, but you know, I, I thought the last you know four years in in New Orleans, I, the guy absolutely ran the ball. He's always wanted to have a good foundational run game, and especially a multi multi layered run game uh, where they could throw a lot of different guys at the at the the situation. I think that's interesting. Yep. You know, keep an eye on this Jaleel McLaughlin character. Uh, running back for the Denver Broncos, uh, a rookie that that people are apparently excited about him. You know, and again, people like just talking about throwing guys at the run game. You know, Javante Williams. Yeah. I know he got through uh, through through training camp and played yep. in the preseason, right? Uh, but he's still coming back from a really serious knee injury. 
Okay, right. really serious knee injury, and and he still could be slow to start the season. I am with you that Samaj P Ryan should probably be like the passing down back generally, uh, but also, yeah, just get, I'm not saying like this Jaleel McLaughlin guy, you know, that we need to be picking him up on fantasy teams, but could end up being part <laughs> of the rotation if Sean Payton really likes him. And yeah, right. they specifically recruited P Ryan one to have some injury insurance early on in the year against Javante Williams if he was still banged up, but also just because I think Peyton likes him and, you know, sort of views him like a Pierre Thomas guy, right? Like a capable right. passing down player, but also a guy who can be a base back. So I think P Ryan does make for like a, you know, a what the heck flex type in week one. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. And again, Las Vegas, their defense right now uh, is a little upended, you know, uh, and they weren't good dude. They weren't good last year. I mean, they were bad. Last year, I, what the hell is going to happen with Max Crosby? That guy, that guy needs to go play for a, a team, man. Like, he's still a bad guy. He's still a bad boy. Like, let 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 Max Crosby cook somewhere, man. He's too good of a player to play on this bad Vegas Raiders defense, man. Um, all right, give me another matchup play that you like here, Matt. Well, I think the Packers receivers, you know, we found out today uh, both Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs missed practice. Um, so I, I think Dobbs is probably a little bit more dangerous in terms of likelihood to miss the game than, um, than, than Christian Watson is. You know, obviously Christian Watson, I think I've got my questions about him from like, a, is he going to be a 24% target share type of guy or is he going to be a little more boom mm-hmm. bust, right? Like the targets were spread out in the preseason, but he was the vertical guy. He was getting all the air yards from Jordan Love. The Bears cornerback room right now, you know, Kyler Gordon, who they drafted early last year, primarily has moved to the slot. So I think that that could leave some clear big runways for Christian Watson, who you know, against a Bears defense that still has a ton, I mean, a ton of questions, right? Was not a good unit last year. And even if they're slightly better, this year could still be a weaker unit. So I think Christian Watson, I'll call it ready for a big game here in week one. Um, what are your thoughts on Mike Evans? I like that call, by the way. I love that call. Uh, what do you think? What are, what are your thoughts here on Mike Evans taking on the Minnesota Vikings um, oh, against Jesus. outside? Well, I know, I know. It's uh, it's like, it's like, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like a wet paper towel taking on like, you know, like a, a cooked pasta or something. I, I don't know. It's like, it's weakness versus weakness here. But Mike Evans taking on a Minnesota secondary that last year was the stone cold worst in the NFL in terms of EPA allowed to outside wide receivers. They gave up the second most fantasy points to outside wide receivers, the most yards per game. Um, uh, any metric you look at Minnesota versus outside wide receivers was just God awful. Unfortunately, Mike Evans now has Baker Mayfield throwing him the ball. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of torn on it. Uh, but if you're looking for a splash play here in week one, I think Mike Evans could provide, uh, but I don't know, Matt, what are your thoughts there? <sighs> I mean, uh, I, I think this is the only team in the NFL. I like drafted no players from, okay. I, I don't think, I don't think I took a single bucks like player <laughs> all draft season. Yeah. And I love Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but just never, never was the right time. Never was the right time to like take him in a draft. You know, Rashad White's a guy I haven't really taken a lot of either. I could look like an idiot for that because the team is really exci- hyping him up, I guess. But I know, um, you know, we'll we'll see. It's just I just can't get behind this Baker Mayfield led attack. But yeah, the the thing with Minnesota is that they obviously let go of Ed Donatel. They bring in Brian Flores. Brian Flores and Ed Donatel could not be running like two more different defenses. Mm-hmm. Last year in Minnesota. 
They sat back. They were very, very passive, played a lot of like soft zone coverage, unbelievably soft, like zone coverage this year. Brian Flores, like he doesn't do that. He plays like man coverage and tries to heat yep. up quarterbacks. Right. I, I, so there are, there's probably like a scenario where Mike Evans could get loose against, you know, a single high defense and, and get open down the sideline and, and rip one of these, you know, whether it's, um, Mackay Blackman or like Byron Murphy, who they brought in from Arizona, you know, right. maybe, maybe he can get loose on one of these guys. <laughs> also though, uh, that could take a t- right. It could take a time for this defense to sort of grab hold in Minnesota. But then there's also a scenario where like, yeah, Baker Mayfield against a heat him up, heat up the quarterback type of defense. That makes me a little nervous too. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it, man. I don't know. All I know is that I think the matchup is pretty good. Uh, obviously, Byron Murphy's a pretty good player. And you talk about Brian Flores being this aggressive dude. Bri- Byron Murphy, perfect for that, right? Um, Going to be great. But, I mean, you want to press up against Mike Evans. I at some point, just just lay it up there, you know. I mean, yeah. we're talking about Mike Evans, great contested catch, dude. Byron Murphy, who I think is is a good player too, but still, at the end of the day, come on, dude, he's sub six feet, you know, five eleven, one ninety. I think Mike Mike Evans can go up and get it. Um, so yeah, he could absolutely get burned. And and you bring up such a good point, you know, they're transitioning their defense. I just don't think they're there yet. No, yeah, it's um, gonna be a long. That's a, it's yeah. just such a dramatic transition. From yep. one from that la- defense last year to this year, and obviously they don't have Patrick Peterson. They they don't some of their young guys that um, Quesio Dofa Mensa, their GM, is drafted is like you know they're not even projected to be full time starters for this team yet, which is a little troubling. But yeah, it's a big transition, and it could take some time to really take hold. That's for sure. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's high risk, high reward play. I think for Mike Evans. Uh, against this Minnesota Vikings defense. All right, give me one more uh, matchup play that you're looking at, man. Dude, start all your Washington receivers this week, okay? Yeah, uh, Arizona's yeah, yeah, yeah. coming to town. They're heavy yep. favorites. I like even Brian Robinson in the backfield because they should be in positive game scripts. But yep. the cornerback slated to start for the uh, Arizona Cardinals: Jalen Thompson, Antonio Hamilton, Marco Wilson. Uh, Shall we talk about the receivers Washington likely is going to have? You know, uh, <laughs> even Terry McLaurin, dude, even Terry yeah. McLaurin, like I would play him even though he's coming in banged up. If he starts, like I think you got to look at him as a pretty decent spot. I mean, Jahan Dotson could be a top 20 receiver this week. For sure. Such a good player. We've talked about him, and, and the, the I think he's got good chemistry with Sam Howell too. Even Curtis Samuel, man, I mean – People forget about Curtis Samuel, but like he's going to be mm-hmm. running, you know, wide open uh, against the slot corner for this team. I, you know, a guy that can beat man coverage, can beat zone coverage, is going to be open like underneath the coverage because of the routes that he runs. Even Curtis Samuel could be, have a nice week one, man. So yeah, any Washington receiver you've got, I, I like this week. I mean, could you just say any Washington player? Uh, I mean, you talk about the running backs. I like both running backs in this situation. You know, Arizona was one of the worst teams against the run last year. Um, actually surprisingly decent against the pass only because people were, weren't really motivated to throw the ball on Arizona. You know what I mean? Um, they were the worst team in the NFL against tight ends. If you want a sleeper pick there, uh, you, you can, you throw your Washington tight end out there, um, if you want. Uh, and then against what, do, I mean, again, you talk about these receivers and the running back, uh, why not Sam Howell? Throw Dude, Sam yeah. Howell out there in DFS. I kind of like that play to be honest with you. 
super flex guy for sure. You know, I, I liked him a lot as a QB two pick and super flex. You know, he runs a little bit and these weapons are just so good. You know, Logan Thomas, we'll see if he's ready to rock at tight end, you know, Cole Turner, they've talked about a little bit, but yeah, just the three receiver sets are going to be so good with these guys, especially if Terry's out there in week one. I mean, I, I think Sam Howell will get a nice debut uh, there is the starter for Washington. And I mean, just the good vibes all around, man, you know, yep. Washington new ownership, 1 PM game on Fox welcoming in what might be the, I mean, just the most no name defense in the NFL in Arizona uh, No defense. <laughs> they're from defense. They're familiar with too. Like they know what John Gannon's all about. They've seen him. Uh, they've seen sure. him in Philadelphia the last couple of yeah. years. So could be off to, could be get off to a pretty nice start here for Washington in week one. Oh, and you know, Eric Bianami would love to put up a big number here. Uh, in totally. week number one as well. All right. How about it's time now for the option route. Uh, Matt, I will throw it out to you. One K or one milli. But for the one milli, you lose the ability to lie for the rest of your days. No lying whatsoever. One million bucks. Now, someone out there might be thinking, okay, well, that shouldn't be too hard. Give me the million dollars. I'll be an honest man. Uh, to that person, I say you have not been in a relationship for very long. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking, I'm not talking, you know, big lies or anything here, but it's like, you know, the wife who rolls around says, how do I look in this? I mean, what are you going to do? Okay. Or, or, Hey, uh, how about this? What, what Instagram pages were you looking at? Oh, well, hmm, okay. Uh, they can start asking all kinds of crazy questions, bro. No lying for the rest of your life. 1K or 1 milli, what you doing, Matt? Uh, have you ever seen the movie Liar Liar with Jim Carrey? Yeah, 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 yeah. Great movie. You know, he, he, great movie. Hilarious. Uh, he's you know a lawyer who loses the ability. Like I think he's a criminal defense attorney, yep. right? Or he's a he lawyer is. that, that he, he loses the ability to lie. So uh, pretty problematic for his career, right? There's the line where... You know, somebody asked him, like, hey, Fletcher, how's it hanging? He's a short, shriveled, always to the left. Or, um, you know, one of his clients calls him for uh, help or whatever. And, he, hey, Fletcher, he needs it. He needs advice. Uh, his advice to him is stop breaking the law, asshole. Um, his one client walks in the courtroom. He says, well, she or she comes to wreck the day. You know, like, I mean, it's just it, that movie alone is a reason why you can't do this. OK. And I mean, obviously. <laughs> Um, I'm not a criminal defense attorney. I'm not a lawyer right. or whatever, but right. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, at God, uh, you know, it's one of the 10 commandments, right? You're not supposed to lie, but everybody lies every day. Okay. Every everybody day. has every some day. level of lie. Um, yep. you ever, you ever like need to, t you know, Oh, James cloud. Uh, have you ever done this? You do probably do this all the time. Uh, you know, you're, 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 you're running late to something. The James. Oh Coast my God. Story. You're oh, running late to something. Yes. And and you say to somebody like, oh, yep, uh, I'm five minutes away. And you your ass hasn't left the house yet. You know, <laughs> <laughs> can't do that anymore. Oh, I mean, my just, God. Just first of all, that, I, is that, like, I feel like that's such a that's such an L.A. thing to do that, by the way. Like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm running five minutes late. That's like you literally just got in the car. You know, it's yeah. like, all right. Anyways, but yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of little things, you know, it's like, or, or imagine just even like, again, like I, I just, I just go back to, you know, somebody asking you very simply like, yeah, how's it going? And, you know, it's like, if it's not going fine, you can't say it's fine. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, Everybody, I mean, on all of these podcasts, right. You, somebody asks you, 
Hey, how's it going today? I, I every time when I intro people on the Yahoo show, you know, how's it going, buddy? I, and I don't want their actual like life story. <laughs> I want them to say, yeah, things are good. I'm excited for this week's slate of games. You asked me like, oh, yeah, how are, how are things going, Matt? <laughs> well, here are my money problems and here are my other problems. And blah, blah, blah. You don't want that. So, yeah, I mean, look, you just need right. to be able to lie. OK, I'm sorry. So for one million dollars. Yeah. Do you know how many that's going to be so so problematic for just most of your yeah i don't know like you gotta lie to your okay. parents sometimes too man and i agree with the relationship part of it look i'm not i'm not keeping massive i'm not lying like massive secrets that i'm keeping right. from my wife or something but you know, sometimes you just gotta not tell the truth <laughs> <laughs> or at least you can't you don't need to tell the the whole tr- sometimes people ask questions that they don't really want to know the answer to. Correct. And when they do that, Correct. you just need to be able to tell them a lie. Okay. So in order to maintain your friendships and your personal yes. relationships and your family dynamics, I mean, you just sometimes got to tell a lie and, and you need to be able to do it. So $1 million is not going to be able to solve that problem <clears throat> for you. So I don't know. Okay. So devil's advocate here, because I'm I'm probably taking the 1K here as well. But I'm just saying devil's advocate, though, Matt. Think about it this way. Now, you can't tell a lie, but you could get around it by just not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, um, what the, just the wife example. You know, yeah. Both you and I are happily married. Right. I don't know if that works for you, but that doesn't work for me. If uh, my wife asked me a question and I might not want to tell the truth, and again, I'm not, a, I'm not a scumbag here. Okay, like I'm, it's not right. like she's asked me. I know where were you? Where right. were you on Saturday night? And I was out with you know some other woman. Okay, that's not my life. Right. I don't, right, I don't right. even know that many people. I don't even know that many people here. <laughs> I don't even have that many friends. Uh, so like, I'm not, not to talking a big scumbag lies, but yeah, just something, something, yeah, something, yeah, something yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to answer. I don't know if that works for you, but that doesn't often work for me where I can just sit there and say nothing. <laughs> you know, just cross my arms and just uh, also, I'll, hey, I'll plead. R- the, remind well, me. Are you going to plead? Are you going to plead the plead, fifth? Plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> That'll go well. No, but you know, going back to that movie, liar, liar. I th- I think, and by the way, that was the impetus for this whole this whole question. But uh, going back to that movie, if memory serves, Jim Carrey, I think, got around part of that movie by then answering questions with questions of his own. So I feel like there are ways to massage the situation <laughs> and maybe if you lose the ability to lie you just get really good at like you know massaging those situations because i mean hey listen a million dollars is it's not a, it's not a small sum of money and this would be a huge inconvenience in your life but it wouldn't also be it's not like i don't know it, it would be it would be life altering but i'm saying it wouldn't be like the absolute stone cold worst thing in the world you know what i'm saying Right. I, we've definitely had way worse ones before. It just from like a practical matter, this one seems really tough to do. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, I guess you could just, you could just, they're just, you know, just something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it's not as bad as I'm thinking, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. Man. It probably no, actually, but like- it probably is. It probably yeah, is. yeah. It probably yeah. Is. This, this like- first of all, first of all, for us simpletons, we're already like we're simpletons, and we're already thinking like, all right, this could be bad. Now imagine our savvy wives knowing that you couldn't lie. Oh, their gears. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Turning the, pleading, the, the pleading the fifth. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah I know. Yeah. My mom, my mom, since she's, you know, trying to get this condo all set up here, she's had, I mean, dude, I'm ready to delete Facebook marketplace off of her phone so hard. Um, you know, she's just, it's like she has an addiction to buying (laughs) just shit off Facebook marketplace. (laughs) So like, I can't imagine she's like, Hey Matthew, uh, do you have anything? Uh, do you have anything? Are you really busy today? Can you help me? Uh, can you help me, you know, go pick up something in uh, Chesapeake? And, and instead of me being like, oh, sure, mom, uh, I have nothing to do. I need to be like, no, buzz off. Like, I can't lie to her about it. You know, I'd be like, no, buzz off. I have plenty to do. I will not be helping you do that. Because, you know, it's always like, do you want me to do you want to go do that with me? And as a good son, I'm like, yeah, sh- yeah, mom, let's do it. But in this scenario, I'd have to be like, hell no, I don't want to do that shit with you. And hell nobody no. should. <laughs> yeah, terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Anyways, that's the show, man. Let us know what you guys would do, man. Would you lose the ability to lie for a milli for a, for a milli? That's not, I don't know, man. Uh, again, I'm, I'm saying no, I'm saying no, but I could definitely see a scenario where that could be turned into a yes. Uh, anyways, let us know what you guys think. Uh, if you got with us this far, man, we do appreciate you as always, man, but, uh, go ahead, hit us with the subscribe. Uh, if it's your first time, hopefully it's not your last time. Uh, we do have a little bit of fun. We talk a little fans. We talked some real football on here as well uh anyways uh so there you go hit us with a uh, with a subscribe and, and uh and be sure to rate the podcast wherever you get your your shows as well but that's going to do it for us we got to get the hell out of here from Matt Harmon, i'm james co we'll see you and remember it's never too late to chase your dreams peace